happiness is not a place you arrive to. It's a state you cultivate. Hmm. Basically meaning there's no way to get happy. You can't buy this, get this, have this. It's not a place you're going to arrive at one day and then just get to live there. It's a state you cultivate and you have to cultivate it daily and you have to work towards manifesting happiness to live in it all the time. Hello and welcome to Before the Lights podcast, stories behind high performers. I'm your host, Brittany Wilson. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Victoria Garrick. She's an athlete and volleyball player at USC and has done a TED Talk over mental health in athletes. Today, Victoria and I are going to be discussing mental health within athletes and outside the community, as well as her own personal battles and how she continues to overcome them. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you do, please subscribe, screenshot this, share it on your Instagram stories, any of your social media outlets. Help us get that story out there. Now let's get to it. Hi, Victoria. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Of course, Brittany. Thanks for having me. Just tell us where you're joining us from today. I'm sitting in my apartment on 29th Street, just five minutes from campus at USC where I go to school, and this is my day off, so I'm happy to be spending it on your podcast with you. Nice, yeah, days off are always nice, so um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Obviously, you play volleyball, successful volleyball player at USC. Um, Just tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started in volleyball, um, and other things you're passionate about right now. Well, I started playing volleyball in eighth grade. Um, I was just on our middle school team, and I just happened to take to the sport pretty well. I also, at the time, did soccer and basketball, and I was like a multi-sport athlete. And then I heard about club volleyball, which I didn't really know what that was, but then I realized, you know, that's organized teams that aren't, you know, associated with your school, um, and they're more competitive. So I went out for a club team um, from one of the girls in my middle school who played club. I went to her club and um, I ended up making my first team ever, which was 14 threes. Mm -hmm. A threes team means not the first best team, not the second best, but the third. So it was a pretty bad team, (laughs) but um, that was my first team. And I was a middle, which meant that I was a hitter, um, which is so ironic because now all I do is um, play back row and defense and Mm -hmm. um, I'm never hitting. But yeah, so I started volleyball in eighth grade and then did club. And then ever since, I didn't actually make a a decision to, you know, stop playing soccer or basketball and choose volleyball. It was more just like I played one season of club and then the next year I wanted to make the better team and I wanted to play for this coach and you want to move to this club. And before you know it, you're in 17. It's like I'm going to play in college. So (laughs) that's kind of how I got started with volleyball. Yeah. Awesome. So now you play at USC. What are some of the biggest things you've realized so far in college, maybe about your sport, but maybe in other ways? What are um, some of the things that have had the biggest impact on you so far? I think one thing I've been realizing is I thought I was mature in high school and that I did know a lot. And I think I I did, like considering, um, you know, where people can grow up and, um, just what their morals are like, et cetera. I thought that, you know, when I was 18, I knew a lot about life, but then I've really found it interesting to see how much I learn, how much I've learned these past three years and this coming year too in college, you just 
learn so much about other people and where they come from and what their life must be like and um, how you can grow up in a town and think that, you know, that's how it is and it's not. And so um, I think I just have been really impressed with how much there is to life and knowledge and learning. And I've really had a good time kind of exploring myself as well as just the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. It's, it's, interesting going into college and thinking you know kind of everything almost and um kind of realizing there's so much more out there especially getting introduced to new people um new teams everything so right and you just have new experiences and you don't have you know home to go you don't have a place to go home to I mean you have your place where you live or your dorm or whatever but your parents aren't there your best friends aren't there I always found it so interesting how um, you make friends in college and they don't even know your family mm-hmm. and they become like your best friends. Like I was thinking I started dating my boyfriend and he'd never met my parents. He doesn't know what my house looked like. Just those things where your high school friends, they, they know what your brother's like. They know what you're like. Um, even the guys in like your high school class, they just know you well. And then you go to college and you make these great friends, but it's still like, okay, it's Christmas break. Like you've never met my mom. And so that stuff is always entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's super different than even your experience in high school. So, so when I, um, got first introduced from you, it was actually somebody, um, sent me your, um, Ted talk. And I just wanted to, like get to know like how you got involved in that and then what kind of experience that was for you and and what you learned from that and how you grew from that yeah that was um an insane opportunity it was definitely the highlight of my year um and it's something that I still look back on and can't believe that I did because growing up I remember you know being shown TED talks in classes or googling TED talks and you just think it's like some high stage that you don't imagine yourself being on one day. And so what happened was I had experienced um, mental health issues. So I experienced some performance anxiety, some depression. And through those experiences, I had been so intrigued with, you know, the way the mind works. And I was Googling like mental health and mental health and athletes. And I was trying to learn more. And then the more I learned, the more I was like, why don't people know about this? Why aren't people talking about this? And so one day I remember I was sitting in class or it was nighttime and I checked my email and it was one of those like all university spam emails and, but the, and usually you just delete them, but the, the caption said, or the subject said once in a lifetime TEDx opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I clicked on it because you just see Ted and you, you know, you're like, what is yeah. this about? And so it said TEDx is coming to USC and you can apply to be a student speaker. And I thought, wow, this is so cool. Like, I need to do this. And I knew exactly what I was going to talk about. I wouldn't even have to think about, oh, what what should my topic be? What story should I tell? I was like, it's going to be mental health. And it was perfect timing because I wanted a platform to share my story. And this had worked out perfectly. So then I'm looking at the due date. And it's due in, like, 24 hours, I think. It was, like, 24, 48 hours. So that that night, I had to, like, start doing my application. Coincidentally... I had already had like a Google Doc started with just anecdotes and Mm -hmm. stories and the opening um, hook of my TED talk, which is kind of like a third person, you're late, you have to do this, you have to do that. Mm -hmm. I took that from a day where I just had 
felt so overwhelmed and it was such a hard day that I wrote down everything that happened that day. I said I had a lift, I was late, like this is how I was feeling. And I did that like two months prior because I knew that I was gonna somehow, you know, publish this or make a video or, or something. So it was easy for me to do the application since I'd already had content and like been thinking about it. And then I applied and I got called back. So what happened then was I went to an interview process where I just met with like the six students who are in charge of like and organizing this event. Mm -hmm. And I basically explained on a surface level what my topic was. And I said, oh, it's mental health and athletes. I said, athletes can feel depressed, can feel anxious, can have mental health issues, and it's not always addressed or publicized. And I feel like I've experienced it and I have a good story to tell. Mm -hmm. So that was the first meeting. So funny story, after that, um, we had to wait to get an email back for a second callback. And I got an email from them that said, we regret to inform you that we are not going to continue the interview process with you. So I got that email and I was really sad. And I thought, oh gosh, did I, I blew it. This is a huge opportunity. I'm probably never gonna get an opportunity like this again. And you know, they didn't pick me. And so I was sad and I didn't respond for like, two or three hours. I was, I think I got the email at like two and I was so bummed. So I was like, whatever, I'm just gonna go on with my day. I checked my email again at like five and I have a, another email that says something like, Victoria, we actually would like to see you one more time. Are you free tonight at eight outside <laughs> of the library? So I got the impression that this is a last minute thing. Somehow, some way they were like, let's just talk to her one more time. <laughs> so I knew then that like this was really my last chance because they really didn't really want me. So if I'm going to wow them, like this is the time to wow them. And for this interview, we had to plan like our opening. So they said for the second callback, you come and come with what you think your opening two sense sentences or opening five minutes are going to be, which is a big thing to ask because if you watch any TED talk, I mean the opening minute the opening word, it has to be captivating. It has to be grabbing. It has to be something that's going to make people keep watching and keep listening. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, then essentially I had to come up with this intro, you know, uber fast. And the one that I came up with honestly wasn't the one that I ended up using <sighs> because once I got more time to like plan my talk, I wanted to make it as best as I could. Mm -hmm. And I liked the third person anecdote story that I ended up using. And so anyways, I go to this interview and I basically just kind of said, I, I basically made them understand that I knew that this was kind of a last minute callback and that I wasn't really probably a front runner. And I said, look, I don't know who else you have and I don't know what their topics are, but I promise you that I care way more about this than they probably do about whatever they're gonna talk about. Hmm. And I think about that now and you know, I obviously don't know their stories and I, I feel bad thinking that I, could you know compare my feelings with someone else's but I was just trying to express how important this is to me and how passionate I am about it and how much I believe in the conversation and I basically tried to explain I know there have been TED talks on mental health I mean there's hundreds about people who've been depressed people who've um, been suicidal people who've had anxiety people who've been bipolar and I said there's not a TED talk that addresses mental health in college athletes specifically. I said, this is gonna be different than all the other ones you've seen. 
because I got the impression that they were like, we want new, we want different and mental health's been done. And I said, it's not been done in this way. Yeah. And I think I just really kind of sold myself to them and I ended up getting it. Mm-hmm. And now if you look at all the Ted talks from that event, um, mine has been the most successful on like, um, a viewer standpoint of just people reacting to it and, um, really appreciating the message. So it's just interesting how, you know, I ended up being, um, the, like the last minute pick, hmm. but that's basically how, um, I ended up getting booking the Ted talk, you could say. Yeah. And Sorry, that was such a long story. <laughs> no, no, it, it's awesome. And when I first saw it, when I was watching it, it kind of, like you said, I don't think it's been talked about in that way before because, of course, mental health is a big topic, you know, and in our community, you think it's, like, talked about a lot, but I don't think it's been talked about in that way so openly before. So what what made you focus on that topic even before the talk? What made you really passionate about mental health and mental health in athletes specifically? I just was always a person who thought I was almost... I don't know, how do I say this? I just never thought I would be someone who would ever say I have anxiety or I've been depressed. Mm -hmm. I guess I thought I was like immune or um, too happy or too, you know, smart to like let something like that happen to me. And I think in high school, I was not educated enough and I didn't understand, you know, mental health can affect anyone at any time um, because of any reason. And so when I started to experience these feelings, and these problems, I thought, wow, you know, I'm not invincible. I'm not different than anyone else. You know, I can experience significant pain and frustration and I I don't know how to handle it emotionally. And, you know, that spirals into having bigger problems. So I just was really, I guess I kind of in the beginning felt alone Mm -hmm. and I didn't think any other athlete felt the way I did. Mm -hmm. And I think when you commit in high school, you know, you're on top of the world. You're the girl that's going to play volleyball, a division one top 10 program. And so no one thinks you're going to have problems. You don't even have to apply. You just already get in and you don't even have to have a great SAT score. And, you know, you just think like, woo, it's smooth sailing from here. Like, you know, I'm living the dream, Mm -hmm. but then you get there and it's like, you have practice Monday through Sunday and you don't even know which day off you have a weekend doesn't exist. You have to balance the same class schedule that every other kid does on campus who's not on your team. And then you're competing to play because if you're not actually playing in the game, you're questioning why am I even showing up every day and why am I experiencing this if I can't even compete when it matters. Mm -hmm. So then you have all these um, pressures and things that you're worrying about. And before you know it, um, you can just really get stressed and, you know, being exhausted and overly stressed can lead to depression. And so basically I'd ex- I was experiencing those things and thought, you know, I want to talk about this because the day I Googled, you know, mental health and athletes and I couldn't find anyone like me talking about it made me feel alone and like no one could relate to me. And so when I got an opportunity to talk about it, I wanted to because I was thinking if there's another person who's going to Google this, I hope I can put something out there that will come up and make them feel better. Yeah. That makes sense. And I I feel like in in my own way, in my community, I've noticed that. I think when I went in my freshman year, I was dealing with a lot. Like, like I've explained um, on my personal podcast, dealing with my mom and rehab, my parents divorcing my freshman year. But I feel like 
regardless of what I had going on at home, it's just such a big change. And like you said, there's so many pressures of, am I going to play? I'm exhausted. I need to make sure I'm getting enough sleep, but I also want to have somewhat of a social life, balance with my team. There's just so much going on. And of course, like people who work in college, all that stuff, like there's so many people outside of athletics who I'm sure are stressed, but it's such a different type of stress that you almost don't give yourself a chance to realize that, hey, maybe I am struggling. Maybe I do need to talk to someone. And I noticed that as I became a captain this year, talking to more people, sitting down with them over coffee and being like, hey, like, how are you doing? Like, are you actually doing okay? Talking to our freshmen and a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them were like, no, I'm not okay, you know? Yeah, speaking of that, one thing I've tried to really be cautious of, um, just as an upperclassman, I mean, I'll be a senior, but I remember... Um, you know, when you're a freshman, the senior, the seniors are so scary. Like you don't want to cross them. You feel like you can't hang out with them. Um, you know, and they're so intimidating. And in a way it's like, you're like, oh, I can't wait to be that way. I can't wait to be like so good and so established in the program that the new girls come in and like, you know, I'm the older girl, but it's like, no, I don't want it to be that way. And that's just not who I am. Like, I, I'm just not intimidated. I feel like I'm not intimidating. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I got lunch with all of our freshmen, mm-hmm. like the, the first weeks they came because I want them to know that they can talk to me and I don't care that I'm four years older than you. You know, we're going to be friends. We're going to be teammates. Like that doesn't matter mm-hmm. because having those relationships within your team make it so much easier for a person who's struggling to feel um, like they have company and like they have people who care about them mm-hmm. because the dynamics can be different on many teams. And I, I know friends who have teams where, you know, they don't mix grades and they don't all hang out and it's clicky and um my team fortunately isn't like that i mean if there's a, a function everyone is invited and we don't exclude people um and but but beyond that like it, it matters to make eye contact with someone and say hey how are you yeah. and actually look at them in the eye and you know it's it's hard to like for me especially like my position i'm the libero and basically um you just pass balls and what you can do is you can pass or dig a ball perfectly or you can not do that and my job is to do that so I mean this is a part I was going to add in my TED talk but it was so long that I had to cut stuff out but Mm -hmm. basically like I can't do good I can do my job or I can fail and someone else can go in and try to just do the job so I'm not scoring points um all I'm doing is supposed I'm supposed to pass it perfectly And so I made an effort to look for the freshmen and the underclassmen who came in in my position to be there for them because practices get hard and you're expected to be perfect and that's just the expectation. It's not rewarded. So, you know, we had a girl come in below me who was in my position and, you know, I could tell like one practice she was going to cry. And so it's like just going up to them at their locker after practice and saying, hey, like I saw you working really hard today and that's admirable and I appreciate it. And like, I'm there for you on the court. Like if you need, if you need someone and you know, then they start crying because like, that's just all they want to hear. So it's just like when you're older and you've been through it, being cautious and knowing that it's now your responsibility to be a good teammate and look out for the other girls who are learning how to deal with their emotions. Yeah, no, that's a huge thing about leadership too. I think coming in freshman year, I, 
have a similar position where I'm a goalkeeper. If I, I either let it in the net oh, or I don't. Same. You totally get it. Yes. You either block the goal or you don't. <laughs> exactly. And no one cares. <laughs> exactly. And so that's been a hard thing for my anxiety my whole life. I think I'm always too stressed out. But anyways, coming in, I just thought, you know, I had to be hard on people and like demand perfection because that's what I demand of myself and learning more about leadership. It's like, Somebody's not going to respond to you yelling at them. Somebody's going to respond to you act like telling them you care and telling them, you know, you're there for them at the end of the day. And if they give their best effort, that's all you can ask for. So and that's the whole point of this podcast as well is just to form a sense of community and be like, it's OK to talk about these things that you're kind of scared to talk about or you don't want someone to know that maybe you know you're crying in your dorm and you don't know why it just happens freshman year and it happens sophomore year and if I've learned anything about leadership in my three years and soon to be fourth year at this program it's the leaders and the people who are followed are not the people that are sending out the schedule are telling people when to be there are on people about like if they have the right equipment or if they're there on time, the people that are the true leaders who are followed are the people who work hard and are just good people. And it's like, if you are just, if you work hard and you work your butt off every day and you're a good person and like, I mean, as a result, you're good at what you do and your craft, like that's how you're going to be a good leader. You're not going to be a good leader by like bossing people around and trying to be in charge. And I mean, you know, that's just what I've learned. And so now I think like, I used to be like, oh, I want to, I want to be the the voice between the coaches and players, you know, and now it's like, I don't care. I mean, that's one less thing for me to do. I hope someone else lets us know where we're supposed to be on what time. Cause I'm just going to, I don't want to have to worry about that. I just want to <laughs> show up and then work my butt off. And, yeah. you know, and so that's something I've learned this year or that I've learned my past years. And I'm really trying to do this year is just be a player that earns respect solely based on like work ethic. Yeah. That's so huge and there's so many different ideas about leadership as well that it's like it's not always the person who wants to be in front, you know. It's more often the leader is kind of like the silent hard worker like you mentioned, this like the person who just wants the best for the team and their teammates. So it's definitely a growing just, experience and I think you can grow into it. Um but yeah, it's someone that you trust. And so it's like how can you be a teammate who's trustworthy? And how can you be someone who makes your teammates and the people around you feel like you genuinely want them to succeed? Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. So on a different note, I obviously was looking at kind of all you do. You definitely are a voice for uh, mental health and just like in athletes in general. And I noticed one post of yours was how I look on the court versus how I'm supposed to look. And it was just like a photoshopped image of, you know, the typical girls you see on those pages of like athletes or whatever, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get your insight on what do you think, do you think being an athlete affects body image of females? How do you think that affects how we look at ourselves? I mean, it definitely plays a role especially with social media. I mean, you just see people who look a certain way and have a certain body type. And, you know, then you look at the way you look for your sport and it's, those things are different. And it's hard to feel like the body, your coach, and you know, in your heart, you want to achieve to be good at your sport is not the body that's being praised 
online. And so then you're torn between, do I want to look a certain way to be great at my craft and be the best I can be? Or do I want to look the way that society is telling me to look? And I think I've just kind of stepped up and tried to talk about that more because it's something that I think all girls, not athletes or not go through. Mm -hmm. And it is such a battle to like yourself and like not even love, but just to like yourself. I mean, it's really hard to just like who you are and like how you look. And, and that's just something where it actively takes, it takes actively working towards it every day um, to feel that way. And I feel like I am at a good place where I really do like myself and it takes reminding because sometimes I'll be scrolling on Instagram and I'm like, after, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 minutes I'm like why isn't my hair longer why are my lips bigger why are my eyebrows more arched whatever why are my eyelashes longer and then you start thinking like why don't I have the qualities in those people and you forget about the qualities you have that people don't Mm -hmm. and so it's all and it's also hard because society tells you oh we want you to love yourself and we want you to embrace who you are but then the minute you're like I like who I am they're like that's so conceited so it's like you literally don't know um you know how you're supposed to act so you know in in loving yourself also comes like not caring about what others think Mm -hmm. and that's also hard for me because I want people to think I'm a nice person and I have a good heart and I have good intentions whatever but not everyone's gonna like me and that's just the way it is and um you know what's more important is like that I just like who I am and that I'm making decisions and they're they're ones that I go to bed at night thinking you know I'm I'm proud of myself or whatnot so it's hard but I I just try to post those things because I wish I saw those my freshman year when my body was changing and you know I didn't like it so yeah yeah no those are those are totally impactful messages too and I think Again, on a personal note, when I was younger, I, again, I'm a goalkeeper and I always have been just a little bit bigger than the other girls due to my imposition and that's what made me good at a young age because I was taller, I was a little thicker and stronger and I kind of hated myself for it. And I didn't love myself because I thought I wanted to look like the girls who run around all day on the field and that's what they're good at, but I'm good at blocking shots and being powerful and strong and I suffered with, I suffered, um, I dealt with bulimia um, in high school and even going into college just because of that. Like, I want to look so good. And I finally kind of gave it up going into and talk, like, like you said, like, I want to be good for my sport. There's so many different ways we could look. We could look strong and huge and fit like the CrossFitters or thin like the Victoria's Secret models. And no matter what you do, you'll never be extremely content with yourself unless you just love yourself for what you do and who you are, like you were saying. I'm so happy to hear that you are have have realized like what is good for you and that you've been able to make a change because that is important especially like coming to college and I know that's hard so Mm. um it's awesome to hear that and um in response to what you just said I was going to mention how no one like it's impossible to have the exact same feature as someone else like even if I had um you know the the dream stomach I might not have like the, the whatever legs and it's just like you have to understand that you can try and try and try, but one, you'll never look like anyone else but yourself. 
-hmm. and two um happiness and like satisfaction comes from what's inside you and so if you're looking for the body or the boyfriend or the job or the position to make you happy none of those things are gonna are gonna fulfill it because it honestly just comes from within and it's so cheesy to say that but i really did realize it um my junior year because i finally like felt like i had everything that i wanted you know i had the spot i wanted i had I, I looked the way I wanted. I had an amazing boyfriend. I had amazing family. I had, you know, great job opportunities, but I still was sad and I still cried at night. And that made me realize like, wow, these external things, like these puzzle pieces I'm trying to find are not gonna complete me. Like the only pieces that can complete me are, are within me. And, you know, I try to like preach that as much as possible because we think that these outside things are what's going to complete us when they're not yeah yeah what do you think it is inside us that we can change to make us feel more complete and not continue to compare ourselves to others or other things I don't think we have to change anything about ourselves necessarily I think it's just developing this inner peace and the journey to that is different for everyone but I think it just starts with one like perception the way you're going to perceive the things events people um and the, the things that happen to you and then also just like your inner dialogue you know are you are is the voice inside your head your biggest fan or is it constantly cutting you down mm-hmm. and if you can just cho- if you choose to see the good which which is hard it, it's easier it's so much easier to find the negative mm-hmm. and it's so much easier to tell yourself shitty things but I mean as an athlete like it's so much easier to not go to practice it's so much easier to not try when things get hard but we do and we fight through it and as a result like we win the game or we become better and so I try to view like who I am as a person like as a competition like with myself it's a competition between my best self and um, you know, the easier, what's easier, you know, it's easier to get mad at someone for, um, spilling coffee on you, but that's a complete accident. And they did not mean to do that. And they don't have bad intentions. And so it's like, can you react in that moment by saying, Oh, it's okay. It happens. Like, I'm going to grab a towel and wipe it up. Like, or are you going to be upset and think like, and be mean to the, mean to the person. Yeah. And so it's just like these little choices you have every day that can improve, um, the overall enjoyment of your life. It's so true. It's a constant choice to be happy. And that's easier said than done when you have so many things going on in your life, but you can choose to react to them in one way or another. And I saw this quote the other day. It was about you. It was something like, if you've had such a hard life and you still choose to be kind to others, like I hope the universe rewards you with happiness kind of thing. And it's like, you can't control what you've been through. You can't control what's going to happen to you, but you can still choose to work on yourself and be kind to others. And I think that's, for me, I feel sometimes just bitter about some things and I think I can take it out on other people, but I think it's a constant journey of learning how to just deal with that and how to just be kind in general and not be bitter and, and choose choose that happiness like you were talking about. We had a really intelligent professor come to one of my classes and he said, happiness is not a place you arrive to, it's a state you cultivate. Hmm. 
basically meaning there's no way to get happy. You can't buy this, get this, have this. It's not a place you're gonna arrive at one day and then just get to live there. It's a state you cultivate and you have to cultivate it daily and you have to work towards manifesting happiness to live in it all the time. And I just like loved that quote and I thought it was so true. Um, obviously it's nice to have, not have to have to worry about things financially and it's nice to have people around you who love you, but still like there's so much you can do to control your emotions. Yeah, that's definitely, obviously it's, it's hard but it it takes just growing and I think maturing and realizing that it is a choice. So from your podcast, I know you mentioned how there's little research done on athlete mental health and all that. Um, what have your fi- what have your findings been, and what do you hope changes in the future? Um, I hope that I already feel like there's been a lot more talk about mental health and athletes. I do not think it has anything to do with me, but I just think coincidentally, like, you know, Kevin Love came out with his Mm -hmm. Players Tribune piece on his anxiety attack, and DeMar DeRozan mentioned um, how he'd been depressed. And people, and I know that, I forget her name, there was an ice skater who, I think her name was like Goldie or something with gold in it, Mm -hmm. and she didn't go to the Winter Olympics because she had an eating disorder. And it's just, it's starting to come out more, and I think that that's great and so fantastic and is going to encourage a lot more people to not feel alone and also talk about what they're going through. So I've just been really happy to see all these people um, in their own fields and with their own stories coming forward and talking about it, so that's been great. Yeah. What impact do you hope to have personally in the future? What are your kind of goals, um, either in regards to mental health or just your own journey? I'm having to think about that more now that graduation mm-hmm. is only a year away. Mm-hmm. So um, it is on my mind, you know, what I really want to do. And obviously I love um, what I've been studying at school and I love Um, the jobs I've had and the things I've done and that's definitely something I want to explore but on the other hand I have um, kind of felt it's been nice to feel like I've affected other people's lives and just like the messages I receive or the emails I get of people basically confessing like what they've what they've been through or or how listening to the talk helped them or how this Instagram post changed their day and I mean those things make me so happy that I don't think there's more you could have wanted of like what you're doing every day than to be helping someone else. And so um, I'm just kind of figuring it out, but yeah. I'm excited for this school year because um, I'm just going to take advantage of the amazing opportunities at my university to see, um, you know, what I can explore um, with my journalism career and also just with the stuff I've been doing on the side. Yeah. I know it's a hard question to ask, especially getting down to your senior year, but I think it's so true that, if you want to have a career, I feel like you want to be able to help other people. I think a lot of people, um, including myself in the past, have just been like, I want to have a career where I can make a lot of money or something like that. And But I think the thing that's going to be most fulfilling is focusing on how can I help other people. Um, do you think that's an important thing that you're looking for? Of course. I mean, it it there's no other feeling than feeling like you've helped someone else. And I mean, that's just, they, I've learned that in one of my classes too, is like, um, 
being selfless and doing things for other people like will make you more happy. Like if you go spend, there've been studies, if you go spend $5 every day on other people or whatnot, I mean, you'll feel better than if spending that $5 on yourself. Hmm. And so I think, you know, life overwhelming and crazy. And if you can feel like you're helping someone else in any way, um, it kind of just makes you feel like it, it, it was worth it for you. Yeah, I totally agree. So just going back really quickly to um, the beginning conversation we had just about going into college. And I think it can be just so overwhelming for everybody. If you had advice for people coming in right now, whether it's in athletics or not, um, what would you say? Because I know that I think that's one of the hardest things to do is just come in and be on your own. And we actually had um, someone my freshman year commit suicide and I think it's just so hard on everyone on your team not on our team no just she was she went to our school um that's so heartbreaking yeah definitely and I just think after that I think I realized like wow I had been kind of depressed as well at the time that happened it was winter quarter you know I think everybody had been feeling kind of the same and I I just wondered like I wonder what she was feeling because I was feeling pretty sad too. I mean, I it's never that didn't cross my mind, but at the same time like everybody's going through something. So what do you think can be done to help people get through that without just getting into that depression or at least getting help um from that depression that some people might face during their freshman year? Or- they're definitely that's so sad I'm like so caught off guard but that's so sad was was it a student athlete um no she was not um even even so I mean it's just so tragic when you hear about that stuff um you just think like could something have been done differently to make them feel like their life was worth living yeah I, I think it just makes me feel that there needs to just be more talk about mental health, you know, when people enter college campuses and when they get on college campuses to feel like that's a big topic. And it's not like a big topic that's like stigmatized, but a big topic that's like, hey, this is something that literally 25% of people will go through in their life and it's normal and it happens and we're gonna talk about it and we're gonna have protocol and um, resources lined up for you so that if if you feel like you need it you can have it and so I think that's that's important and also um ah shoot I just had what my other piece of advice was no worries um and also um I think it'd be great if all college campuses could offer like free psychology and not just for students that really really have it bad but even the ones that are kind of teetering down that path um because sometimes it is like it's set up for free if a student um gets to a really really a dark place and it would be great if it was free for students who you know are, are sort of starting to wander down that road so that it doesn't have to get to that point yeah. so um yeah just like the more resources and the more conversation the better yeah i totally agree i totally agree so at the end, I always ask um, just two kind of questions. For you, if you could go back to the start uh, when you just started playing volleyball, what are two or three things you'd kind of tell yourself um, looking back with all that you know now? Hmm. Looking back, um, um, hmm, I think two things. If I could go back to my freshman year self, 
of college, I'd probably go back and tell her, you are good enough. Mm -hmm. And that would mean like in all lights of life, in all ways, like you're good enough and Mm -hmm. you are where you are for a reason. And, you know, don't doubt yourself because I doubted myself for a really long time. So I would say that. And then I would also tell my high school self um, just to think more about what someone else is like, someone else's life could be like for them. I think in high school, um, you know, while I was, you know, cautious of like how other people feel and what life might be like for other people, I wasn't to the extent that I am now. And now I'm always thinking about like what another person's life might be like. And in high school, if someone was like mean or rude, you know, I might think, wow, that person's so mean. Like, why can't they just like blah, 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 blah. Whereas Mm -hmm. now if someone is mean or rude, I'm thinking rather than, you know, getting upset with them and thinking, you know, how could they act that way? I'm thinking, wow, life must really be hard for them if they're going to be full of negativity and that's how they're going to act. So I think when, because of just my years at school and the things I've learned in classes and from mentors is just, just to be more aware of like other people and like what, what life could be like for someone else. And also, um, my own thought, my own thought patterns. Yeah. That's, that's definitely huge. And I think when you look at it as like, that person must be going through something it it makes a big change in your perspective of them too because everybody's going through it why why would any person be mean to someone why would any person exclude someone why would any person like be rude because they have something they're battling and it might even it might not be like a real tangible like their boyfriend just dumped them but it could be something like they're struggling internally with like accepting themselves or Um, You know, they feel like they have to be mean and bossy to feel like whatever it is. But I mean, you just have to constantly see like how you can be compassionate and feel like someone else deserves like your love and happiness, even if they're not giving that to you. And, And it's hard to do because obviously like someone, oh my gosh, someone blocked my garage in today. They just parked their car. Oh. illegally like in front of my garage and I had to leave for something and so I had to get on my bike that was a flat tire <laughs> and I was like I am so mad at this human like I just want to wait for them and like yell at them for parking here and I was like you know what maybe they were on their way to something really important and it was the last thing they had to do or maybe it's only five minutes I was like whatever just imagine the best possible scenario that mm-hmm. like makes this right back to you in you know and it's just taking that extra 30 seconds to assume the best in someone else rather than the worst yeah yeah it's again it's just a choice of how am I going to look at this I could get mad but what is what does that do for me kind of thing and then that empathy piece too it's hard to be empathetic towards people sometimes especially when you're dealing with your own stuff but I think it's a big trait that you can learn and that'll make you happy in the end and make you a better leader so um also the last question I have is just, I know you had volleyball in your life, your whole life. I'm the same way with soccer, but um, if you never had volleyball, didn't have sports in your life, um, what are two or three things you'd want to be remembered for? And what kind of, just what kind of legacy would you want to leave? Hmm. Um, I think we humans are drawn to this idea of like, can I leave a big legacy? Can I be someone who's like remembered by, by all? And I think it's smaller than that. Mm -hmm. Can you, it's like more so, can you affect one or two people's lives positively? 
And if you can do that, I think like that's enough. And I think we get overwhelmed because we want to be the next big thing. We want to be the it person and everyone wants to be that. And when you don't become that, it's like you feel like your life wasn't worth it or you could have done this and you failed. So, um, you know, I feel like I'd be content with my life if I had not been an athlete, just knowing that, you know, I was happy, like with the people I surrounded myself with and also that I'd impacted a few people along the way. It's so easy to think, you know, I'll only be impactful if I reach a hundred or a thousand or millions of people. But if you can just reach out to one or two people and change their life, then that's so much more impactful than just reaching that many people because numbers are just can be so arbitrary when it comes to that. So that's definitely exactly. a good point. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today and for sharing everything and I wish you the best with everything that you do. And I know that you'll continue to inspire and help others. So thank you so much. Thanks so much, Brittany. I enjoyed talking to you and I can't wait to um, hear it when it comes out and keep following your awesome podcast. Thank you so much again for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's story. Again, if you did, please help us share this on any of your social media outlets. I hope today's story inspired you to go out live your story, and don't be afraid to share it.